from KQED. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamidra. And we're the hosts of The Cooler, your weekly dose of pop culture commentary. Today we're making good on our promise from two episodes ago to have a crash course in Kate Bush for the lovely Jamidra and for anyone at home who doesn't know about Kate Bush. Okay. And we're going to talk about O.J. Simpson and 90s true crime making a comeback. And I've got a little consolation prize for all of you out there who can't get Hamilton tickets. Hint, it involves Beyonce. (laughs) So first things first, this is very important Mm -hmm. because recently we discovered that you, Jamidra, Every time we mention Kate Bush on the show, you just get a little quiet. Crickets. Not have much to say. I didn't notice that. I did. But then... I did. (laughs) Then you confessed to both of us that you don't know what the F we're talking about. Not... Yeah. I I try not to comment on things that I don't know anything about. You confessed (laughs) your sins. So we're going to make it right. We're going to have a come to Jesus moment. Actually, a come to Kate Bush moment. Okay. Because she's basically Jesus in my mind. So I have a little crash course in Kate Bush portois. Will will there be a graduation ceremony after? Certainly. Okay, I need a cabin again. There's going to be an interpretive dance. Yes. All right. (laughs) And the graduation outfit is a red leotard. Yeah. Ooh, I'm liking this even more. Yes. You will love. So it's a little bit hard to completely capture her spirit in an audio format. So some of this homework you're going to have to do elsewhere. With music videos specifically. Okay, so some Google. But here's what I have for you. First reason why you should care about Kate Bush. Yes, please tell me why. She was a child prodigy. She taught herself how to play piano at age 11. Overachiever. What were you guys doing at age 11? I don't know. I was watching after school specials maybe? I, did, I, I think I was trying to teach myself my heart will go on no. on the piano. So what you're saying mm. is you're basically Kate Bush, teaching yourself instruments. Basically. At the a similarities young age. are no idea. similar. Mm. Who knew we had a prodigy in our midst? Well... I was playing with Power Rangers figurines and probably eating my boogers. Like, I was not Obviously. a prodigy. Morphin Power Rangers. Yes. The green is my favorite. But wait, what you know. about when you were 11? <laughs> yeah, that was yesterday, actually. <laughs> I like how you both honestly laughed at that. That was the <laughs> lamest joke ever, and you both laughed. Dad joke. Carla's bringing you the dad jokes. I love dad jokes. Shut up. Dad, dad jokes, jokes by Carly. That was a dad joke. <laughs> So in addition to teaching herself how to play piano, she also was studying the violin. She would play an organ in her parents' barn because that's an English thing to do. Well, whose barn does not have an organ in it? Does everyone have a barn? There was no organ in my barn. Okay. (laughs) What do you mean by that? (laughs) If you excerpt that audio of me saying that and use it as a ringtone, I'll be so annoyed. (laughs) Um, Also, because all this musical prodigy stuff isn't enough, she also was studying karate. And she had a nickname that she earned for herself because of her squeaky sound that she made when she would chop people and kick people was her nickname. <laughs> That's a rubbish nickname. That is double E dash double E. Okay. Yeah. So Kate Bush. <laughs> Another reason. Mm-hmm. She's a better networker at age 15 than all of us. Okay, excellent. At 30. Well, considering plus. I didn't like talking to people age 15. Yes, that's probably true. So at age 15, she used a family connection to get her demo of 50 songs 
in the hands of David Gilmore of Pink Floyd, hmm. who then was like, this is really weird and amazing. Let's fine tune this. And then they did just a few songs and sent it to a label and she was signed. When Dave Gilmore tells you your music's weird. <laughs> right? You know it's really At weird. 15? <laughs> At 15. Okay. So then she gets signed, but the label's like, we don't want anyone else to take you, so we're going to sign you now, but we don't think you're ready yet. Mm-hmm. Is this and where so, interpretive dance comes in? Yes. Because I remember you told me that she decided she was like on hold or pause or something. Exactly. So she took interpretive dance. They put her egg back in the incubator. Mm-hmm. She wasn't ready uh-huh. to hatch yet. But she got her advance money. Ooh. So she used that to take interpretive dance classes and also train as a mime. Ooh, okay, so she's then, in a box. Don't so put there's her in choreography a box. with her performances then. Beyond, okay, like every single music video, she's doing interpretive dance with mm-hmm. a stand-up bass. She's in a field wearing a red dress, doing all kinds of movements, cartwheels, what have you. Okay, inspired a generation. Inspired me. You should see me board and deboard a bus. I'm just like, <laughs> no, graceful, sir. <laughs> so yeah, that explains her bizarre music videos. Okay, look them up. Start with Wuthering Heights. Work from there. This will change your life. She really gonna blow my mind, like you she guys will. say. She oh, is. she, she will. will. Okay. Side note, Emmanuel, what's your Kate Bush karaoke song? I have so much respect for her that the answer is none. <gasps> you dare not take her on. Ooh. I don't. It's very high pitched. Also, if I were to fail at like a Katy Perry song or mm-hmm. something, like who cares? Mm. It's not art or anything. But you would just take it to heart. It'd be so heartbroken if you. But I would feel like she felt it a little in her spirit all the way across the globe of like, oh, some wayward gay really ruined my song <laughs> okay. in San Francisco. <laughs> That's so, how she talks, is <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah. So I have to. If I bumped into her in an Andronico's, I wouldn't know it was her. So you got to tell me, like, have I seen her? I have no idea who this woman is. You haven't seen her because she's kind of a recluse. Recluse. Okay. She's off the scene. And if you hadn't heard the song we featured two episodes ago, Running Up That Hill, then maybe you've heard Wuthering Heights. Most teenagers will read a book by one of the Brontes and, you know, write a book report or something. Mm -hmm. Not Kate. She produced a single told from the protagonist's point of view, the ghost of Kathy, as she haunts her hot-ass crush, Heathcliff, her debut single. And it made her the first woman to ever reach number one with a self-written song in England. About a Bronte sister's book. (laughs) Exactly. Well, then play a clip or something. Let me hear it. Out on the (laughs) way, windy moss, we rolling for That's really good. I'm getting Paula Cole vibes. Is she like Paula Cole? No, Paula Cole wishes. (laughs) Hang on a minute. Is it sad that I knew Paula Cole is, but I don't yeah. know who Kate Bush is? Kate is Kate Bush okay. like Paula Cole? And I only Cole. know who Paula Cole is because she sang the theme song for Dawson's Creek. I don't know why. Yep. Oh, so good. We're getting off topic. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so she doesn't really write about her life as much. Like She's not a Taylor Swift of her generation where it's like, okay, this breakup happened, so I'm going to put it in a song. Mm-hmm. She instead tells a story, and I have some examples for you. Mm-hmm. In her song Breathing, told from the perspective of a fetus whose mom is experiencing nuclear fallout. Oh, that's deep. Yep. Yes. The Infant Kiss, mm-hmm. God, this one's weird, 
is told from the point of view of a governess who realizes she might have the hots for one of the children she's taking care of. Whoa. Oh. But before. Downton Abbey just took a turn. <laughs> I say goodnight, night. They took him in tight. But before you get concerned and put her on some kind of list, it's because the child is haunted by a sexy ghost. Of that course. is still weird. That sexy is... ghosts are kind of a recurring theme, are they not? still bizarre. They're everywhere. Have you seen Casper? That boy's cute. Mm, I've seen that bit in Ghostbusters that gets cut out of most of the TV edits. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my favorite. Heads Were Dancing is about spending all night dancing with a hot dude. Okay. Only to realize that he is... A sexy ghost! Hitler. Okay. 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 She goes there. Okay, she so is nothing if not to, imaginative. This one I need to hear. Yes. Yeah, basically, you will be entertained. You will be enlightened. Mm-hmm. Some of her other songs will educate you about things like James Joyce, The Shining, Vietnam, Tennyson, Joan of Arc, the psychoanalyst Wilhelm Reich and his rainmaking machine. Well, who doesn't know the psychoanalyst Wilhelm Reich and his <laughs> rainmaking machine? And my fave, 117 decimal points of pi, because it's the chorus of her song. Okay. She just says numbers. Three. She's only toured once in 1979 until 35 years later. She's like, eh, mm. I'll tour for 22 nights only in mm. London. You come to me. Mm-hmm. Right. I unfortunately could not because I didn't have the money. So I will <laughs> live in regret forever. That is genuinely going to be a life regret. Like I've yeah. heard that it was just an incredible experience. Yeah. Those 22 dates in London sold out in 15 minutes. Uh-huh. And she didn't play anything from her first four albums. And people were like, why not? And her answer is such real talk. I love her more and more. Quote, I can't possibly think of old songs of mine because they're past now. And quite honestly, I don't like them anymore. Hello. There you go. Keep <sighs> it real. Okay, that little tidbit made me like her, so I'm going to have to check her out. Which is she kind of not disowns the stuff she did before, but she's realistic that it wasn't all gold. I can't imagine. I mean, like, Celine Dion is probably like, shoot me. I do not want to sing. <laughs> My heart will go on. Especially when accompanied on the piano by yeah. that kid over she's there. She's probably like, just let it go. Um, and Kate Bush has the courage to say, listen. Yeah. You heard it. You bought the CD. Yep. You downloaded the MP3. Let me live. Yeah. We done did this. And like, let's move on. So Kate Bush is inspirational for a lot of musicians, obvious people like Bjork, Tori Amos, Uh Bat for Lashes, 
maybe Joanna Newsom, but other people as well who okay. you might not expect. Huh, shockers. Courtney Love oh. loves Kate Bush. Okay. Prince loves Kate Bush. I can see that actually. Johnny Rotten loves Kate Bush. I can't see that. Don't know who that is either. Tupac. Really? Loved Kate Bush. Tricky from Massive Attack has said, quote, I don't believe in God, but if I did, her music would be my Bible. Ooh. Okay. Big Boy Ooh, from Outcast, Outcast is obsessed, capital letters, obsessed with Kate Bush. Several different interviews. He'll just bring her up. What? And in one interview, his cell phone goes off. And her song Babushka is his ringtone. Of course. Babushka, 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> so Big Boy does what me and you do in the cooler. Exactly. We just bring it up. We're like, that reminds me of something Kate Bush didn't exactly. say. Exactly. Yeah. And in July 2010, Big Boy told British GQ about his efforts to get in touch with Kate. Quote, I've been trying for some years now. She's like kind of a recluse. She lives somewhere in a castle around here and plays some sort of oversized piano like the Phantom of the Opera. You can hear music coming out of the windows. I'm looking for her. You know what I'm saying? I've come over here to camp out for a month just to find her. <laughs> wow. Did he find her? Probably not. I think huh? not. Dedication. Yeah. She wouldn't answer his calls. But oh. his obsession moved over to Andre 3000, uh-huh. who also had this to say about Kate. Quote, Kate Bush's music opened my mind up. She was so bugged out, man, but I felt her. She's so effing dope. So underrated and so off the radar. And one by the name of Mystical with the K. Oh, my God. Of Shake Your Ass Fan. Shake Yourself. Okay. (laughs) I'm just getting visions of braids. (laughs) He has a whole song that samples Kate Bush. What song is that? It's called Ain't Gonna See Tomorrow. You think waiting for Beyonce's new album is hard? Mm -hmm. Try waiting 12 years between her 1993 album, The Red Shoes, and Ariel. John Mendelssohn, who's a novelist, wrote a book called Waiting for Kate Bush, which is about a bunch of obsessed Kate Bush fans hanging out in a boarding house and waiting for her return. That's how deep this goes. There's a book. Novel. A novel about mm-hmm. people who were waiting. Waiting. That is deep. Anticipating. So I don't even know if I want to listen to the album if it's going to make me do all that. Huh? Well, get you obsessed. <laughs> Two last things. You know those hands-free headset mics that like Britney uses and Janet and all oh, these people? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, responsible for that, Kate Bush. She okay. needed to interpretive dance. And so they made a makeshift one using like a wire hanger. And some band in the 60s tried it before, so she's not the first, Mm -hmm. but she's the first to popularize it. And the last thing is she was performing one time, and both straps of her top pop off. The definition of wardrobe malfunction. Exactly. Mm. Okay. So she originated that as well. Hello. Janet. Such Um, a pioneer. But instead of stopping, she just holds up her top for the rest of the song and kills it. Like, sounds amazing. If you go to the episode page of this episode on KQD Pop, I will embed it. You will watch it. You will be indoctrinated into this cult of Kate Bush. And you will get your life. And you will you get will your enjoy life. <laughs> yes. Oh so have I ticked the meter at all in the direction of Kate Bush standum? I am curious. I need to watch at least that video of mm-hmm. her doing her show must go on situation. Yes. Because I need to watch that. 
but I will listen and I will report back. Yes, please report back. And if all of this was for nothing, I must bow out of this podcast <laughs> and live in shame for the rest of my life. So, chaps, have you been watching the television show Du Jour, O.J. Simpson, American Crime Story? Yep. Every Much episode. to the dismay of my husband, who is like, why are you watching this? Oh, why? Because he's like, this happened. We know how it's going to end. Like, why is <laughs> he's this, like, where's the twist? Why is this thrilling to He's you? like, we've been spoiled yes. for 20 years. <laughs> my sister said, I asked her if she was watching, and she said, I've seen it. Yeah. Like, I lived oh, it. Oh, she felt she did not need to actually yeah. see a fictionalization. But what people don't realize is we saw it. We knew what was going on. But this offers, like, a whole different insight that we didn't know. Did we know about the sexism? Oh. No, we certainly did not. Did we know about Judge Ito's wife? No. <laughs> I did not know that. Hello. Okay. And so is that because they can like take their time with the format? They're like, it's television. We've got 4,000 hours. Let's just let this unfold. Yeah, it was just so well done. Mm -hmm. And each episode had to deal with something different. Like there was a whole episode about the jurors and how mm -hmm. it was for them living in this hotel secluded. They didn't have TVs. They could only see their loved ones once a week. Their lives were put on pause for a year and a half. It didn't really, oh and you know, God. you don't know the extent. You see the the jurors progress. Like, oh, we're going to stay at a hotel. We're going to it's like a little vacation. We're going to be here for oh, a day God. or two. By the end of it, they're like, and please, then, yeah. Get then me it's out months of it. down the line with him not being able to talk to their family, not being able to watch television, not being able to read newspapers, oh my God. and just being disconnected from the outside world. Then we got to talk about Marsha, 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 mm -hmm. Marsha Clark with the pun, and yeah. how she was objectified, and how she was made to feel ashamed not only by the media but by by her bosses, what? and even by Judge Ito himself. Yes. Oh. He would often hold her in contempt over, like, nothing and would just talk down to her. And she said that when the jury is seeing him putting her down, that has an influence on mm -hmm. them. Rude. They're like, we don't have to take this woman seriously. Yeah. Like, he doesn't. Yeah. So why should we? Why should we take anything she says Making seriously. comments about her hair and her makeup. She even got a makeover during the trial. And then they had a problem with that. Yep. Yeah. And then you got Chris Darton and his, like, situation that he was dealing with. He um, was getting a lot of flack because he was prosecuting O.J. Simpson at a time when things were so racially charged after the Rodney King riots. And so he was, there were some names that were being thrown around that I'm not going to repeat. Mm -hmm. But he was being called a sellout and a lot of things. And so he had to deal with that, uh, like, Levels, honey. Levels. So why, why wouldn't I watch it? Hello. Yes. <laughs> well, I haven't started watching it yet. So thanks for that. Don't spoil the ending for me. <laughs> it's a little joke there. Mm -hmm. um, I can't wait. I just hear so many good things. But it seems to me, why is 90s true crime having a moment? Adnan's Whoa. impact. Yeah. Well, the reason I ask is because apparently in the wake of the success of the American crime story, O.J. Simpson, CBS are doing a unscripted show about the John Bonet Ramsey case. Mm -hmm. Are you guys familiar with John Bonet Ramsey? Who is not familiar with John Bonet Ramsey? This is the thing. So, for those who aren't aware, it's a horrible story. Um, the John Bonet Ramsey was a six-year-old beauty pageant queen, um, and she was found dead in her family home in the basement the day after Christmas Day in 1996. And an absolutely bizarre, almost kind of perverse series of events. Uh, she was found in the family home eight hours after she was reported missing. Some really mm -hmm. strange stuff happened, uh, the, like an unsecured crime scene. They found a long and rambling ransom note in the family kitchen, which had been very clearly written in the kitchen. Oh. And demanded a ransom of exactly the amount 
that her father, John Ramsey, had been paid earlier that year as a bonus. What? Very, very strange. Mm. And so much controversy about that. Her parents were suspected of killing her. Oh, yeah. It's a horrible case. And, like, so many bizarre side details as well. Like, this long and rambling, like, multi-page ransom note. Like, quotes lines from uh, Speed. And the movie, the Mel Gibson movie (laughs) Ransom. So they think that it was written, if it wasn't written by her parents, as a lot of people suspected at the time, it's written by like a very impressionable young person who was consuming a lot of pop culture at the time and soaking it up and ended up regurgitating it in this bizarre ransom note. So it's just the weirdest, most horrible case. And they're making a TV show about it. Mm. And also... NBC is doing a scripted series, so like an O.J. Simpson kind of thing, about the Menendez brothers. <gasps> wow. And again, for those who aren't aware, these were the two Menendez brothers who in 1989 shot and killed their parents in Beverly Hills. Their parents were very, very wealthy mm-hmm. and uh, they got all their parents' money and started spending it. And eventually, you know, people started to wonder, could the two things be linked? And as a side note, it all came out when one of the brothers, do you guys know this, confessed to his psychologist? Oh. And then said to the psychologist, don't tell anyone or I'll kill you. Oh, great. And then the psychologist went home and was like, ah, and spoke to his girlfriend saying, I've got this patient. He just told me he killed his parents and then he threatened to kill me too. And the girlfriend's like, ah. So if it had just been the admission of killing the parents, he would not be able to say. That's the thing. So Mm. because he threatened the psychologist, the doctor-patient confidentiality was lifted and it could be used in trial. Wow. So I thought you guys would appreciate that fascinating side note. Whoa. See, I think for some reason, I feel like I can watch the Menendez one. I don't know if I can watch the JonBenet Ramsey one. This is the thing, because you know that I'm a true crime Uh fan, I'm an aficionado, but there's always that slightly, I mean, I know I say I don't believe in guilty pleasures, but this really is the ultimate Mm -hmm. guilty pleasure. I mean, and watching a even an unscripted kind of documentary series about the murder of a six-year-old, I, I do wonder whether our appetite for true crime is going to reach an ending yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, she's, I mean, even to this day, I feel like every once in a while I'm in the supermarket and I'll see some, her face, yeah. JonBenet Ramsey's face. Or like the front of the Inquirer. Or like or the Inquirer. Like yeah, and they're yeah. like, new development or something like that. It's just like, it's just sad and heartbreaking. Ugh. Do you know what the new development is on the internet? Huh. Everyone thinks Katy Perry is JonBenet Ramsey. Can you believe it? <laughs> Good night. Side by Good side night. facial comparisons. They think the Ramseys faked her death so that she could be reborn as, as a Katy pop Perry, star. the pop star. <laughs> Good night. It's ludicrous. It's actually disgusting and pretty offensive. Uh, Thanks, Internet. But like 90s true crime, why is it like, OJ, Menendez? I think I think in the 90s you a had like this peak of access, like media access mm-hmm. and then crime. So it's not that these ridiculous crimes weren't happening before the 90s. It's the access that we had mm. with like these 24-hour news channels. Yeah, actually as a practical note, now that producers and scripters, they have access to tons and tons of news footage. Mm-hmm. That's very practical if you're trying to make like a multi-part TV show about this stuff. But I don't know, like maybe it's because it feels like recent history and that's very fascinating to us. And it's kind of like a warped nostalgia. I mean, we're all in our early to mid-30s Mm-hmm. And we're kind of classic TV How watchers. Dare I'm you with sorry. a head. I'm yeah. sorry. It's Emmanuel's 21 years old. 
But we are the key demographic now, you know, because allegedly we have some spending power. Huh. And so we're tapping into our nostalgia. Exactly. Well, I got to say, we started off with me talking about how hype I am to watch this OJ show because I remember certain elements. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is all the stuff that I remember pieces of. And now the show is putting it all together for me. But it does make you wonder, is like the, the way our culture works right now, like, are, are we getting defined by the crimes that we're obsessed with? because we're definitely still obsessed with these bizarre unsolved murders. I think it's probably got something to do with the nature of them being unsolved. You know, that's why we're still talking about Jack the Ripper, like however mm-hmm. many years later. Um, but there's a really interesting book by um, uh, Bill James called Popular Crime, which isn't perfect, but I do recommend it, which talks about this very subject about um, uh, America in particular's obsession with crime, true crime, having it reported in the media, consuming it, unpacking all the details, mm-hmm. getting obsessed with, with latest revelations. And in the book, he says, um, if you go to a party populated by the NPR crowd and you start talking about John Bonet Ramsey, people will look at you as if you had forgotten your pants. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that was true of when this book was written, which was a little while ago. But I think that it's now kind of going mainstream, like with with making a murderer. People of my ilk, true crime aficionados, have always been looked on as like a little bit kind of weird and grubby. It's (laughs) very mainstream right now and in this book uh, Bill James writes that we are trying to have a serious discussion of trash here about popular crime stories being much more central to American history than most people understand Mm. and I get that I I do think that these kind of stories as weird and kind of salacious as they seem they shouldn't be the preserve of low grade lifetime movies because if you kind of assign a whole part of our culture into that bucket then you're doing something very strange to us. Listen, I done had a Sunday or two full of Lifetime movies. I can break down <laughs> your Lifetime do movie Do not plots. come for my Lifetime movie. I can movie. break down a Lifetime movie plot. Yes. Well, this has got me thinking now about which other crime stories TV should be grappling with. Because I, I think mm. we're all agreed that TV is the medium, right? We've got to do it. Oh, yeah. Through that, we can have... Podcast. N- well, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Serial Season 2, Emmanuel. <gasps> How many episodes have you listened to? All of them. Actually, I'm glad you brought it up because in a previous episode, we said mm-hmm. a lot of kind of harsh criticisms of Serial Season 2. We and did. I said I would come back at the end after knowing everything because maybe they had something planned. Yep. They had nothing planned. Oh, oh that it, was my whole thesis. I said... Sarah Koenig's so smart. She's got no. something up her sleeve. Nothing it quite. literally was like, why did he leave? I don't know. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> and, and it was kind of like, yeah, I don't know. And crazy <laughs> stuff happens in war and that's all. Bye. And 10 minutes into the last episode, she's like, oh, by the way, this is the last episode. It was just like, I think she was sick of it too and sick of hearing people say that, that it wasn't it? as good. Okay. So going back to American Crime Story, their second season is going to be... Hurricane Katrina. Yes. I'm sorry, what? Yes. Yes, because they view a, that as it's a crime. A crime. What that made me think of is that could be really good because they did a good job with OJ, but I worry because they're following the same trajectory as Serial did. Mm-hmm. Serial starts with a crime of passion mm-hmm. in the 90s, and then they move on to this larger topic like Afghanistan war and desertion or Katrina, which is a right. huge topic. And but this is what I mean, that it's almost like people get kind of insecure or a little bit ashamed about the true crime element of it. It's like, oh, well, we started off with that, guys. But don't worry, we're capable of so much more. Yeah. Don't worry, we're not going to pigeonhole ourselves. Yeah, we're smart. Trust yeah, us. Exactly. Look at this. And then everyone's like, mm, we liked the first thing. Better. I'm actually I interested thing. to see what the angle would be on that. Because, mm. we'll see, the thing about Hurricane Katrina and what happened there, there was a lot of corruption 
mm-hmm. in Louisiana and a lot of corruption in New Orleans at the time. And then there is that infamous Kanye, Kanye. West Kanye. telethon speech. So there are all these little elements. So I'm really curious to see if they have something to provide that we don't know as far as, you know, from externally, just from viewers and people who have donated or whatever the case may be. But listen, you put Beyonce on a cop car <laughs> in one of the episodes. People watch it. it. I'm watching. People watch it. Kanye can play Kanye. Hello. Easy. However, this whole success of uh, OJ, an American crime story, has me thinking about other cases that television should take on. Number one, it's not 90s. It's 1930s. It's the Lindbergh baby. Oh, okay. It's so ripe for a multi-part television exploration. And most people wouldn't know what it was, so they they would be scandalized. Exactly. Lindbergh baby, not so fashionable these days. Mm -hmm. I think put Channing Tatum in an aviator's (laughs) gear. Wonderful. Bring it. Again, you've got that kind of, oh, you know, does deal with the murder of a really tiny child, which is understandably horrific. But I do think that, you know, in the right hands, it could be done very well. Mm -hmm. I'll watch. Exactly. Number two, we don't need a treatment of the Zodiac. David Fincher has done that perfectly well Mm -hmm. with the amazing movie Zodiac. With Ted Cruz as the Zodiac killer. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. you should all go and watch it and just have a great time. Family fun. (laughs) Someone had to say it. (laughs) Number three, we need a TV show about Bambi Bembenek, guys. Who does? Do you know Bambi Bembenek? No. Full name, Laurentia Bambi Bembenek. Okay, I'm in love. She was a female police officer in the very early 80s. She married another police officer. That police officer that she married, her husband, his ex-wife is found dead in the home that they used to share. Uh-oh. Yeah. Basically, Bambi goes down for the murder. <gasps> but it does appear that allegedly, allegedly, she may have been framed. Bambi. Because the police force in that town loathed her. Because she had made a stink about corruption and sexual harassment Uh. in the force earlier. And they'd actually fired her. This was the days where you could just be like, (laughs) women making a fuss, bye, and get them out. It is a fascinating case, not least because they jailed her and then she escaped a couple of times. (gasps) Bambi Coining the phrase, run, Bambi, run. Yeah. Was is it, it wrong that I'm kind of living for her right I now? I am, too. Seriously. Well, I mean, she she passed away, I believe, in 2010. Oh. But I think that you heard it here first. This would be a fascinating story, not just the actual crime that it centers around, which is horrible. Again, like kids are involved. This is not good stuff. But her early life, you know, she tried to kind of be a bit of a pioneer and it all went terribly wrong. She ended up paying so for it. So I feel like that's what they should have did mm. for serial season, too. Seriously. And so there you go. You heard it her first, guys. <laughs> so we talked about music. We talked about nostalgia. I'm just going to bring it full circle right now because I've got a little bit of pop culture time capsule nugget that's a mixture of both of those things. Hit us. Okay. So the theater world right now is going crazy for... Da-da-da-da! Can you guess? Hamilton. Hamilton. Hamilton musical is, as the title implies, a musical on Broadway right now about the life of Alexander Hamilton. You may know him from other things such as the $10 bill in your pocket. So it's really exciting right now. People are going crazy about it. And you may be asking yourself, like, why are people caring about a play or a musical about Alexander Hamilton? Like, who cares? Right. 
People are going crazy for it because it is told through hip-hop and through amazing lyricists. And so I'm crazy about it. Other people are crazy about it. But unless you have one pretty coin or a couple pretty coins or in New York and bought your tickets like a year ago, you're not going to see it. No. So get your ducats in a row for when the show tours. But in the meantime, I've been kind of obsessed with the soundtrack. Have you guys listened to the soundtrack? No. No? I just feel like I'll want to go see the actual thing. It'll inspire me, but I can't go see the other thing because I'm not Bernie Sanders who got Uh to go. And everyone's like, wait a second. How did you get a ticket? He's a presidential candidate. Yeah. So I need to run for office. I think there's still time. Okay. There's primaries left. There's still time. I think you're just worried that you'll learn too much. Oh. Wow. You know how much I hate history. (laughs) I would hate to learn anything about that famous duel. The famous duel. There's a famous duel? Oh. So what happened was... Oh, he was shot. (laughs) Spoiler. (laughs) I could have told it better than that. But um, basically, Aaron Burr hated Hamilton's guts. Mm -hmm. Who he, Aaron Burr? He happens to be a white dude in D.C. at the time. You know, a politician. I think he was a vice president or something. They were going to have a duel and, and Alexander Hamilton's family's like, dude, it's not that deep. Like, don't get into it with this guy. His feelings are hurt. Just let him be hurt. He'll get over it. And he's like, no, I'm going to duel him like once and for all because we've been going back and forth fighting all the time. And unfortunately, Alexander Hamilton shoots his gun and hits a branch of a tree. Aaron Burr's bullet goes into Alexander Hamilton's body, Mm. thus killing him, all over some petty BS nonsense. Mm, mm, This mm. sounds exactly like the bit where Ryan Phillippe fights that other guy in Cruel Intentions. Ooh, you know what just occurred to me? If Twitter was around then, he may not have gotten shot because they could have settled it with the Twitter fingers, right? I like when people fight on Twitter and you know they're about to go in because it's like one of 22. (laughs) Two of 22. They're like, get comfortable. I have opinions. Okay, so if Twitter was around, Alexander Hamilton would have not been shot dead in the street during a duel because they would have settled it online. He would still be alive today. Okay. And he would be like 200 years old. (laughs) Settled it like men. So, as I was saying, I'm obsessed with the soundtrack. I cannot see the show. But I am now thinking about a show that was the original retelling of a story infused with hip-hop. None other than... Carmen, the hip hopera. They come through. <laughs> no, do either one of you know what I'm talking about? I do because I was an avid watcher of MTV. Thank and you. And they were really trying to sell that as much as they tried to sell Crossroads featuring Britney, which we've talked about on the show before. Okay, so don't tell who. I want to tell you who the cast is. So oh, don't go through the cast. Go. I've heard of it because I Googled it. <laughs> <laughs> so as you guys know, Carmen. Well, maybe you don't know. Carmen is an opera by the uh, French composer, and I'm not even going to try to say his name. I said I was going to play it, so I'm just going to let this gentleman help me out. So Carmen is an opera by the French composer. Georges Bizet. Mm -hmm. So, Georges Bizet. Okay. The opera was first performed in Paris in March of 1875, and a few great songs came out of it, songs that we still sing today. Well, maybe you don't sing, but I sing in the shower. (laughs) So one is, <clears throat> oh my God, is that the famous hee hee <laughs> That was beautiful. So that song came from Carmen and it is called Habanera. The original story was actually panned. So it was basically about man is married with children, man meets irresistible seductress, man leaves his wife for the woman, man then gets left, man is angry, man goes cray cray. 
Okay. So it was panned. Not many people liked it when it first came out, but then it ended up being hugely successful. As you know, we are still singing these songs in the showers today. After he died. After Bizich died. <laughs> so. He's having a field day in his grave right now. He's yeah. Like, yes. Actually, no. Stop no, saying my name. <laughs> so fast forward to 2001 when Robert Townsend, director, writer, media industry extraordinaire Robert Townsend, decided in 2001 that he was going to remake Carmen in the form of a hip opera. Okay. He decided to cast. Well, first of all, let me just tell you who the, the movie was narrated by. And this should just give you an idea of what it was like. It was narrated by none other than 90s rapper Debrat. Oh. <laughs> Brat. I forgot about that. And you don't say it. It's not T H E, duh. Debrat. So get it right. He is also available for audiobooks, I've heard. <laughs> Debrat's a woman. <laughs> oh, no. Exit stage left, Carly. <laughs> We're like, I hear that he's great in other things. I've heard great things about his member. <laughs> Because he has one. Because he's a man. In the, and his organ, his organ is in the barn. Listen, Dad can refer to a guy or a girl. Because you're not familiar with Debrat, Carly, I'm just going to go ahead and play a little tidbit of the introduction to the Carmen soundtrack because she opened things up. Yeah, a classic story retold. Carmen, a hip-hop or a I'm schooled. <laughs> schooled, I tell you. So let's go down the cast um, of Carmen the Hip Hopper, shall we? Please. So it was starring Makai Pfeiffer, who some of you may know from the movie Soul Food, and who is also uh, 8 Mile. He was on ER. Uh, Yasin Bey. You know who that is? No. Formerly known as Most Death. Oh, he was in the movie rapper Rod Digger. I don't know if you know who she is, but she's like a 90s rapper. I love his work. <laughs> Do you like Billie Holiday? <laughs> Joy Bryant, who was in Antoine Fisher. She was also on Parenthood. She's like tall, model-esque. She never wears a stitch of makeup, but she's just gorgeous. Uh, the fortune teller, because it's a fortune teller in the story of Carmen, played by Wyckoff John. Also, Chad Moss, who also known as Bow Wow. Okay, you keep tricking me with these real names. Wait, that's Lil Bow Wow? Lil Bow Wow. So Bow Wow and Lil Bow Wow are not two separate people. They are the same. They are the same. Okay. <laughs> One and the same. And <laughs> guess who played Carmen? Oh, I already know. None other than Beyonce Giselle Knowles. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as you can imagine, the soundtrack is, I don't want to say fire, but it was interesting. And it was the first time. <laughs> <laughs> it's <just> damp. <laughs> it was the first time that I thought that I saw hip hop and sort of like classic storytelling blended and merged into one. So Hamilton did not originate this idea. All shouts out to Robert Townsend for pulling it off. So I just want you to get a little taste of what you'll be getting into if you decide to go on this journey with Carmen, the hip hopper, starring Beyonce and Mackay Pfeiffer and most deaf. First of all, and narrated by the brat, how can you not? Okay, if you... Want to see Hamilton, and you are unable to see Hamilton, why not log online and try to watch this? So are you genuinely suggesting that people who would like to see Hamilton <laughs> but can't go to see Hamilton should just watch? So I'm not, I'm not, I am not here to tell you what to do. I am saying, <laughs> I am saying because I cannot see Hamilton. I have been listening to the soundtrack and I am now watching Carmen the Hip Hop Rock. Close second. <laughs> and if you can't afford Beyonce tickets, because she's coming next month. 
also watch Carmen. So let's just ride out with a little bit of the hip-hop theatrics of Carmen. Bring it. The hip-hop rock. I don't see me living another day without your tender kisses. Why don't we retire to the room, put on some the lights, some incense, get to know one another just a little better than we do now. You trying to act like I'm not a cop. You can bring a cuss if you would like to, if that's your Look, let's get it straight. You can cease and desist. I got some platinum bracelets I'm about to squeeze on you. So you guys, in a mm-hmm. previous episode, I mentioned Petit Noir, who is mm-hmm. this musician that was coming to town yes, and I was feeling I him. That. And I went to his concert and I got to say he was good, but who was better? His opening act. <gasps> oh, that's always awkward. Okay. They're from Oakland. Hello. Their name is The Session. S E S H E N. Mm-hmm. If I had to describe what they sound like, they're a mix of Erica Badu and Little Dragon. Ooh. You mix that together and then put some Oakland spice in there, done. Okay. You will be at their next concert. So let's outro this week with their song Oblivion. Mm. You will love. Let's thank Rob Spate for making us sound so good. Thanks also to David Marcus, Jay Simpson, and Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Until next week, find us on social media. I am Excuse My Beauty without the first D on Twitter. I am at Teacup in the Bay. I am at Jimitra Says. Follow us. Favorite our stuff. Reach me. Bye. 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 Oh, darling, make it go. She gonna come get us. Kate, (laughs) don't be upset.